Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, PA. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This talk continues week 12 of our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Good morning. My name is Gus, and I am one of the pastors here at Valley Point Church. And we are currently in a series called The Story. And it's a series where we are walking through Scripture from the very beginning all the way to the end. And today, I want to share with you probably the biggest scandal in Scripture. We all love a scandal, don't we? When individuals are found in compromising situations. Most epic scandals throughout history involve leaders in the political world or leaders in the sports world. They're celebrities and heads of big organizations. And they're making decisions and choices that change their lives and affect those around them for years. I love scandals. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, one of my favorite TV shows to watch, don't judge me for this, is TMZ. They make fun of famous people doing stupid stuff. I'm from Philadelphia. I love making fun of people. But we all have a special interest when it comes to scandals. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat, watching my TV in my living room years ago when a white Bronco was being chased by thousands of cop cars, maybe a hundred. It seemed like a thousand. Crazy. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat, watching my TV as the president of the United States explained his relationship with his young female intern. Scandals. We all have a certain interest when it comes to scandals. Today's scandal is no different, except it's not on the TV. It's not in the news. You can't read about it in the newspaper. It's in Scripture. And as much as I sat on the edge of my seat watching those scandals in the past. Our hope today is that you'd be sitting on the edge of your seat and listening to see what God has in store for you. Last week, Eric introduced to us David. David was anointed the next king of Israel. And today we find David reigning over Israel. He is the king of Israel. And David is on top of the world. As a matter of fact, he is the golden boy. Everything David touches turns to gold. In the past, he defeated the giant Goliath. He has defeated his enemies all around him. He's expanding his kingdom. They are singing songs of David. They are parading and chanting his name. David has it all. David is the man. He has it all. He's on top of the world. But we find in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 
we find that David lets down his guard and makes some tragic choices. And those choices are pivotal. And they cause a shift in David's life, his family, and his kingdom. I want to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and read in verse 1. Before I do, as you turn there, we'll have the words up on the screen as well. I'd like to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we're looking at this scandal, this story that you've revealed before us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would hear not my words, but your words. And Lord, we would not see my mind, but see your mind and your spirit. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. And she had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. David was in a pickle. David made some poor choices in his life, and he finds himself in the beginning of a scandal, because this is only the beginning of the scandal in David's life. He could, at this point, choose to do the right thing, or he can choose to go down a different path. And David makes a decision, and he chooses to go down a different path. And he tries to cover up his sin. And so David calls for Uriah to come back from the battlegrounds, and he tries to get Uriah to go home, spend time with his wife, live in luxury, and sleep with her, trying to get him to make it look like the child is Uriah's. He's trying to cover it up. There was one problem with David's plan. Uriah, you see, was a man of integrity. He was a man who was loyal to his king. He was loyal to his kingdom. He was a man of honor. There was no way that Uriah was going to go back to his house, living in luxury, and sleep with his wife while his co-soldiers were out on the battlefield, sacrificing their lives. He refused to do it. And so David had to come up with plan B, and he did. He got Uriah drunk, figuring that if he's anything like me, when I get drunk, I make poor choices, and maybe he'll forget about his honor and go home. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And so David, again, needs to figure out how to cover up his sin. And so he goes to plan C. 
And he tells Joab, the general, he says, take Uriah back out into the battlefield and put Uriah on the front lines. And as you approach the enemy, pull back from Uriah so that the enemy will kill him. And that's exactly what Joab does because he is loyal to his king. And we pick up the story in 2 Samuel Chapter 11, verse 26. All this time, Bathsheba is pregnant, and she doesn't know what David has done. And so in 2 Samuel 11, verse 26, it says this. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Here we have the the life of David, a man after God's own heart, great king of Israel. And as you study scriptures, David's life is one of those lives that is exhaustively laid out before us. From the beginning of his birth all the way to his death, we see the peaks And we see the valleys of David's life. You know, if God just would have left out this scandal, we would have so much more respect for David. But God did not leave out the scandal. He actually put it in Scripture. Why would he put it in Scripture? I believe our upper story today is that God put this in a story Because God wants us to clearly understand our sin. Our sin. Sin is all the same, whether it's David's sin or our sin. See, the Bible clearly states that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not just David, but all of us. All of us sitting here today have sinned and and fall short of the glory of God. And we don't just sin by the choices that we make. It's not just poor choices. We become sinners. We'll discover today also, we are born sinners. It's in our DNA that we are sinners. I think that's the upper story. There's so much to learn from this story. There's so much doctrine and theology in this story that we can unwrap. We could talk about this till Christmas and beyond. But I want to just point out three things that we can learn for us, the lower story today. Three things that I believe God's trying to tell us. Let's look at them. In the lower story, number one, sin is our enemy. It's our enemy. It's not just David's enemy. It's not just my enemy. It's the enemy of every person here today. Sin wants to separate us from God. Sin wants to do everything that it can to keep us from having a relationship with God. Sin attacks us from within. Sin attacks us from without. Sin is after us. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Peter that sin, the enemy, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We're being attacked by the enemy. Sin is our enemy. It also says in James 
chapter 1, it says this, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin is our enemy. It wants to drag us away from God. It wants to separate us from God. It wants to devour our lives. It wants to destroy us. Second thing we see in this story is that our sin has consequences. As much as David tried to hide his sin, it eventually is exposed. Nathan is the prophet of God during the reign of David. And God goes to Nathan and tells Nathan everything that David has done. And so Nathan goes and confronts David. And this, uh, we'll pick up the story here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11. And this is what Nathan says to David. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. I think probably the saddest part of this whole story is that most of the consequences don't affect David as much as they affect those around him that he loved. And that's the way sin is. When we make tragic choices in our lives, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. We see the consequences. The baby, the baby that was born of Bathsheba, dies. David's daughter is raped in public view. David's son, Absalom, rebels against David and against the kingdom. And they battle for the rest of their lives. The sword never rests the the rest of David's life. Sin has consequences. Sin is our enemy. Sin will take you farther than you want to go Sin will keep you longer than you thought you needed to stay. And it'll cost you much more than you expect to pay. That's how it is when we have decisions in our life. And we're trying to decide which path to take. And sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I can do this one little thing. And it's not going to cost me too much. But in the end, it always keeps you longer And it always takes you farther. And it always costs you more than you expect. That's why the Bible says that what you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh corruption. If you plant seeds of corn, you get corn. If you plant 
Broccoli, you get broccoli. If you sin, you get corruption. That's the way it works. It's a principle of the world that we know is true, and yet it's true in the Bible as well. The third thing we learn, I think, from this story is that our sin is forgivable. We saw in verse 13 when David said, Confess to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That was not a flippant confession. That was not a confession just because he got caught. That was not a confession like our children or our grandchildren sometimes when we say, tell your sister or your brother you're sorry, and they go, I'm sorry. This is not that kind of confession. As a matter of fact, we read the whole confession of David in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, he wrote not only the confession, but he wrote how he felt in his heart about the whole thing. I'd like to read that again to you. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You have proved right in what I say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You see, David not only confessed his sin, he admitted his sin to God. He confessed specific sins. And not only did he confess for his past sins, but he asked God to change his heart so that he can have victory in the future. You see, there's admitting your sin. There's admitting that you're a sinner. There's confessing those sins, which doesn't necessarily mean that God needs to know what they are. He wants to make sure that we know what they are. And then the third thing, the most important part of this whole confession is that he wants God to change him. He wants God to renew within him a new, clean heart. That's repentance. You see, repenting from our sins is turning from wanting everything for us to turning to God and saying, God, my life is yours. My life is yours. Admit, confess, and repent. That's what we see here in David's life. It wasn't a worldly sorrow. It was a godly sorrow that led to repentance. Every Sunday we teach something from God's word. We've been walking through scripture and the story, and we are learning something each week. But every week as we learn, we don't want to just say, I understand more. We want to say to ourselves as we walk out of here today, what steps do I need to take 
to have this scandal in my life make a difference? What is the application? What is my story? As you're sitting here today in a room this big, with this large of a crowd, I can't help but think that some of you are sitting here today and thinking about your sin, thinking about where am I with my sin? I want us to just look at a couple things that I think will be helpful for us to apply this story to our lives. Number one, be on guard against your sin. Be on guard against your sin. Know your weaknesses. Know where the enemy will attack. And I know you're, you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, what are my weaknesses? And you probably can think of them just like that. Because we know where we're weak. Maybe your weakness is with lust. Well, don't be looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at. Don't be going to places you shouldn't be going to. Maybe your struggle is with greed or with pride. Maybe your struggle is with laziness. You know, David's sin didn't start with murder. David's sin didn't even start with adultery. David's sin didn't start with the lies and the cover-up. Where did David's sin start? It started with laziness. It's not a mistake that God puts in Scripture. When kings were off to war, David was back at home taking a rest in his bed. And he happened to just sleep from his bed and go out on the rooftop and look. David was looking at things he shouldn't have looked at. He wasn't even where he was supposed to be. What's the application for us? Listen, all of us go through seasons where we take time off. But be on guard. When you take time off from God, when you take time off from his word, when you take time off from going to church, when you take time off from serving him, be on guard. That's when the enemy will attack. Laziness is one of those things that many of us struggle with. And we need to turn that over to God. Be on guard against those things. I wonder, parents, do you put guardrails in your teenagers' lives? Do you put things in place to protect them from the enemy? You better. You better. They're in a place in their life where they're just trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to learn. They're in that development stage. It's the parents' responsibility to put the guardrails in place. And listen, teenagers, if you're here today, those guardrails that your parents put in place, they're not there because they don't trust you. They're there because they do not trust the enemy. And they shouldn't trust the enemy. Guardrails are very important in our kids' lives. Put guardrails in place because we have an enemy that wants to devour us and wants to devour our children. Be on guard against your sin. The second thing, admit your sin. Be honest with God and admit your sin. I know, I know that our enemy right now is whispering in your ear, in your, ear, in your heart, in your mind, and he's saying to you right now, you're good enough. You are righteous enough. You're not a sinner like David. You would never murder somebody. You would never even commit adultery. You're good enough. 
That's the enemy telling you that. God wants us to admit that we are sinners. He wants us to admit that we're even sinners from birth. And if you're sitting here and you're wondering and you're stirring these thoughts up in your mind and in your heart and God's whispering to you, you know you're a sinner. You know that you can't even help it. That's the same thing that Paul says. That's the same thing as David said in his prayer of confession. He can't even help it. He knows that it is part of his DNA. And it's the same with all of us. Admit your sin honestly to God. And then the third thing that we can take away from this is that we can experience the power of forgiveness. We can experience the power of forgiveness. Listen, a couple verses. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a fantastic promise. That's, that's a lifestyle. That's, that's what we can experience when we confess our sins to God. When we can admit that we're sinners, we can live a life. We can experience the gracious gift of God. That gift is forgiveness. In Romans 5.15, it says this, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. You see, that's why God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ lived a life on this earth that was perfect. He never sinned. He became the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And he died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again the third day because he was God and because he was perfect. And we too can rise again to a new life when we experience the forgiveness that God gives to us. We not only we not only overcome the power of sin in our life, but the penalty of sin in our life as well. We can live a life with a clean heart before God, whiter than snow, when we admit, confess, and repent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife and I, we recently had an opportunity to go to Florence, Italy, and, and see the statue of David. Magnificent statue. This is a picture of it. I, I actually just showing you the top part. <laughs> I didn't ask Eric what was permissible in church, so. <laughs> but the, it's, it's, it's a fantastic sculpture. And, and, and when you listen to the history of the, of the sculpture, when it was first done by Michelangelo, they put it out into the town square. It's 17 feet tall. And it stayed out. It was, it was sculpted in the 1500s, and, and they put it out in the town square. And in the town square, after a couple hundred years, they realized that they should bring it inside. So they took it and put it into a gallery to protect it from the elements. And when they, um, it, it was there for a few hundred years. But back in 1991, a man hit a hammer under his coat. And as he went into the gallery, 
he rushed to the statue and he started to hammer away at the statue, breaking up its toes and its feet. And he just started destroying this magnificent sculpture by Michelangelo. And I couldn't help but think how that is like a perfect analogy of sin in our lives. Sin wants to hammer away at your life. Sin wants to drag you away from God. Sin wants to devour you. Sin wants to destroy you. But God has a better plan for our lives. He wants us to admit, confess, and repent of our sin and allow us to live a life of forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to look at this story that you've revealed to us in Scripture. And I just pray, Lord, that as we think about these things, that you would speak to our heart, that you would help us to understand that sin is our enemy, that you would help us to understand that there are consequences to our actions. Lord, you would help us to truly see that we can experience forgiveness. With every head bowed and every eye closed in the room today, I wonder if God has been speaking to your heart about your life. Maybe you realize that you've never put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you from your sin. And you'd like to do that today. It's very simple. You see, we can live a life that's righteous or believe it's righteous, but we are born sinners and we need our sin forgiven. That's why Christ came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose again. So that we can experience freedom from the power and penalty of sin. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, if God has spoken to your heart about putting your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you for the very first time, I wonder if you'd be willing to just slip up your hand and say, God, pray for me. I want Christ in my life. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you've made that decision in the past, but for some reason, Sin has crept in and begun to drag you away from that close relationship that you have with God. And again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And we can renew the joy of our salvation once again. If you're here today and you need to make things right with God, I just pray while you're in your seats, pray in your heart to God and confess your sin. Admit it and repent from it. Father, again, we thank you for this story of David. And we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would guard us against sin. Build a hedge of protection around us and our families and our children and our teenagers. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be honest with you 
and admit, confess, and repent. We pray these things in Christ's name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.